Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Why is it, the radio presenter asked me, that you have such a negative view of working women? Um, I said, I don't. She pointed out that I'd just written a novel in which the female chief economist of a large oil company spends more time agonising over the colleagues she's fallen in love with than over her latest oil price forecast or over the prospects for renewable energy. Surely that doesn't put working women in a good light, she asked. On the contrary, I said, this has nothing to do with working women and everything to do with the human condition. Wild, obsessive love is more distracting than any oil price forecast. While it lasts, which isn't usually long, it simply trumps everything else. She didn't look convinced. If I'd thought about it a bit more, I would have summoned Shakespeare to my defence and argued that it is no coincidence that he didn't compose a sonnet beginning, Shall I compare this spreadsheet to a summer's day? It is not just that love is compelling. It is that most of the big things we are supposed to think about during the working day aren't terribly compelling at all. Freud said that love and work are the two cornerstones of humanity. Which one looms larger and wakes us at 3am depends. Sometimes it's love and sometimes it's work. Yet even when it's work, it isn't the big things that count. It's the world three feet from our desks. I work in the newspaper industry, which is dying. Have I ever lost one single second sleep over that? No. I'm interested in its demise intellectually, but emotionally I'm quite unmoved. This is because I'm old enough for it not to matter much to me. The current model will just about see me out. In the past three decades, I've watched with relative unconcern my employer make profits, followed by losses and then profits again. If those profits or losses had reflected well or badly on me, I would have minded a lot. At one point, when my job looked slightly insecure and when colleagues who I liked were leaving, then I minded a great deal. Otherwise, not. Instead, what concerns me are pettier things. The disposition of my boss, the quality of my own latest column, and whether there are Maltesers in the vending machine. It might not be attractive, but it's perfectly natural. And I don't think it's a girl thing either. It's quite unreasonable to expect an oil economist to long for the oil price that is best for their company. Instead, they long for the price that will show their latest forecast to have been right. Equally, the three men who campaigned so inhumanly hard to become the British Prime Minister didn't do so just because they cared about pensioners or the size of the deficit. What they wanted above all was the notepaper with 10 Downing Street written on the top. One of the comedies of working life is pretending to care about big things. If you are Prime Minister, you need to play very hard at this game. If you're a corporate foot soldier, you don't have to try so hard. Indeed, you can sometimes even allow to show a little glee when things go wrong at your company. After all, bad news is usually quite exciting. Very rarely, however, some genuine caring about big, distant things is called for. 
if I were a BP employee and had been looking at the picture of the orange stuff on birds and thought about the 11 dead and that it was my oil lying on the sea, I think I would feel a twinge, despite knowing it had nothing to do with me. Yet even then, these big disasters don't linger in the hearts of the corporate man and woman for very long. Real, petty life crowds in soon enough. When I interviewed Lord Brown a couple of months ago, the former head of BP said that he had never lost a night's sleep because of work. If you were the sort of person who fretted unduly about work, he said, you shouldn't be the chief executive of a big company. Some might say that if Lord Brown had fretted a bit more, the company's record on safety might look rather better than it does. But that's a cheap shot. I'm with him. The real things that cause us anguish should be the personal things. Ironically, it was those personal things that did for him and for the characters in my novel in the end. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Brian, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.